Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Avengers Endgame won't be released until later this month. But apparently Wednesday, it broke the internet. Six hours after tickets went on sale, the film had already surpassed the number of ticket sales in the first 24 hours for the previous record holder, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Now, why is this important? Well, both AMC and Fandango experienced crashes on their website from people just trying to buy tickets for a movie that isn't released for weeks. The, uh, the actual managing editor said, I have never seen anything like this. Why is this latest film that hasn't even been released yet such a phenomenon? Well, it seems that fans and of the franchise, which include myself, I'm a fan of it, I enjoy watching these films, but they have compiled a 22-part series of this series of movies. Everyone builds on another, builds on another, builds on another, builds on another. And this film here that's about to be released is the last installment of that entire series, which spans over the last, I say, I think it's 10 years. 10 years. 22 movies have been released to make a point that there is a thought, a reoccurring thought. And what is that reoccurring thought? That reoccurring thought is simply this. The world is looking for a hero. The world is looking for a hero. So as we look at this, the larger story, thank you, the larger story is simply this. The world needs an answer to the problem that it's experiencing. I really believe it is true that every single one of us in our lives, we sometimes downplay it, but we often need someone to help us. Men, we don't like to admit it, but there are times we need help too. Yeah, I know, blows my mind. The movie critic Erin Free wrote in 2016, and this is what she writes, and I quote, Whether it's random terrorist attacks, overpopulation, rising crime rates, the threat of financial collapse, or the mental hangover of the global financial crisis, prejudice, ignorance, infectious killer diseases, or just traffic congestion, in troubled times, people enjoy an escape and perhaps secretly wish that there was a superhero around to deliver us from the horrors of this world. I believe that that's at the core of a lot of times people wanting to watch a movie because they want to know that there's a a good ending. Oftentimes because we don't know what our ending's going to look like, so we might as well bask in somebody else's. Can we be honest? That we often feel like our life it may not end in the right way that we thought or go about the, the business. And, and that's why some people watch romantic comedies because, shoot, I haven't been in a romantic relationship and so I might as well watch this movie. Or maybe I wish that this person was like that. Or, or maybe action. I, I always wanted to be the guy, the big guy on campus, but I was just, you know, captain of the math club. And uh, 
I always wanted to be an athlete, so I'm going to watch a movie with that killer athlete that does amazing things and just supersedes everybody's. And so sometimes we want entertainment to fill in the blanks. But can I throw this at you for a moment? This, this person that wrote this quote made a very good point. We have always had a need for a hero. In fact, C.S. Lewis wrote this. God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol and it would not run properly on anything else. It was made to run on something, right? Now God designed the human machine to run on God himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity. It's not there. As we kick off this series, Rescue, This is what we've been pushing towards and praying through. This is what the banner was set outside to do. This is what this backdrop is all telling us. And here's what I am telling you. The long tail of humanity is that we need someone to rescue us. We have been pretty good at being rebellious at times. Some more than others. You know who you are. I won't. No need to point that out, right? But the enemy also knows that we need rescue. But you know what he'll do? He'll tell you, you don't need rescue. You're good. A good person should go to heaven because good people get good things. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus never said good people go to heaven. Jesus said those who accept the forgiveness of his son and the death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus sacrificed for us, that's the only way to heaven. Can I make that clear today? That is the only way to heaven. So the enemy knows that we have a trust issue as people. Most of us have trust issues in one way or another because somebody hurt us, somebody burnt us, or somebody made a promise that they did not make good on. Raise your hand if someone made a promise to you once and didn't make good on it. There should be more hands than that. Some of you are like, I don't have the strength right now, Pastor Tony, to raise my hand because someone said that they were going to be this, that, and the other, and I don't want to deal with it. I don't even want to relive it. And then there are others with two hands, right? <laughs> Pastor, that was a goal right there. That was a, you hit it right on the head, right? Listen, the enemy is on a strategy today. He's on a strategy to discourage and disrupt you. And this morning I want to bring a message that has to do with the reason for rescue. What is the reason for God to rescue us? Why do we need rescue? What's the reason behind all of this? All of Christianity. Well, the reason for rescue is this, and I need your attention for the next few moments. There's, the, there's a big lie that's going around. And the biggest lie in human history and the history of Christianity is this. Holiness is not possible. That is a lie. That you can't live holy. To me, it's one of the biggest lies in the history of Christianity. Why is that 
out of all the things we could study and look at, why is this the biggest lie? Well, let me, let me submit some thoughts to you this morning. Can I do that? I want to submit some thoughts that maybe it would make sense to you. Many think that holiness is possible for other people. Ever been there? You meet somebody, it's like, that person's holy, that person's holy. I don't think I could ever get there. How many of you have a holy grandmother or had a holy grandmother or even a holy parent or somebody that prayed for you and you're like, that's nice, but I will never get to that level of holiness. How many ever felt like that before? You say, well, that person or some sort of distant saint enshrined with some sort of statue or portrait. Well, you said that person fed more people than I have witnessed with my own eyes. They have fed more than I have seen in my lifetime. There's no way I could do that. Maybe it's because of your past. Maybe it's because you've seen poor examples of Christianity so you lack the desire to live Christianity for yourself. I think we've all can, can vouch for the idea that we've seen poor examples of Christianity. Yes? Nod your head if you're with me. You've seen poor examples of Christianity. I've seen it. I've seen it. But guess what? None of those are reasons to walk away from God. None of those are reasons to not live holy lives. None of those are reasons for you not to be able to live a life that's holy before God. And none of those are reasons for God not to rescue you. So watch this. What does this lie that holiness is not possible, how does that affect us? Three quick thoughts I want to give to you. Number one, it turns everyday believers into spectators. When we believe that we will never achieve holiness, it turns our everyday believers into spectators where we go, well, since I'll never be holy, I might as well watch someone that is and enjoy their life. And we become spectators. There's not a single person in this room that can't be holy. And there's not a single person in this room that's been called to be a spectator. God has called you to do something for him. I, I firmly believe that. And there's no one on this planet earth that can tell me different. Because everything that I read in scripture and every person that I read about in scripture that has had an excuse, God has had a rebuttal. You're weak? Great. I am strong. Hello? Okay, let me put in practical terms. Uh, you're short? That's okay. I am tall. You're broke? That's okay. I am rich. Am I hitting? Okay, I'm hitting home a little more, right? You're single? That's okay. Marry me. You're divorced? It's okay. I am the redeemer. Listen, every story, story after story is a picture of God's redemption. Everything that happens is a picture of God's redemptive process. That's why he went to the cross. But before he got to the cross, everybody cheered him. I won't touch that too much. Next week, we celebrate Palm Sunday. The Sunday that Jesus, or the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and everybody said, yay. And not too much later, people said, nay. Fickle, aren't we? From palms to pain in an instant. 
So what is holiness or the lack thereof, the, this lie that I'm talking about? Well, it turns believers into spectators. Here's the second thing what it does. It affects the power of God in your life. People who wrestle with feeling like they can never achieve holiness miss out on the power of God because they say, well, that's for other people and that's not for me. So I'm going to sit and watch other people be powerful. I'm going to let pastor preach and I'm just going to come to church and I'll see him every week. And uh, well, if, you know, you know, except if I, there's a soccer practice or something, but, but, but let's, but I'm going to go every time because I, you know, it's important, but you know, there's this other thing that's really, really important. That's important too. So hello. What happens is we drain the ability to be powerful in Christ. So we no longer charge our battery. We just wait till it runs out and then watch somebody else's light shine. That lie will fuel that thought. Are you with me? Everybody say rescue. Everybody say rescue. He came to rescue you. He came to rescue you. The third thought is simply this. It affects feeling the need to be rescued. It's okay, God. I realize you died for us. That's fantastic news. It becomes like a newspaper thing. News. Jesus died so that you'll be rescued. That's great. But it doesn't really tangibly mean anything to me. It's just news. Since we all never reach holiness, well, I can just live off my mistakes and whatever I decide to do with my life. When we believe the lie that we can't be holy, we forfeit our ability to impact the world around us. Did you know that? If you believe the lie that the enemy is spewing to every one of us in our ears. In one way or another, we believe this lie. You know what happens? We begin to put ourselves as second-class Christians, second-class citizens, and we think there's other people that are much more talented than I am, and we forfeit God's ability to use us. You couple that with the, the desperate need to feel loved where we put ourselves in second place, there all of a sudden we no longer have any sort of idea or standard how people should treat us. If we are not seeing God the way, excuse me, if we're not seeing ourselves the way God sees us, we now say, okay, well, I'm not here, I'm back here. Then all of a sudden, those people that treat us badly, we go, well, it's okay because I'm not really that. So I'm going to be okay with him mistreating me the way he mistreats me, talks to me the way he talks to me, because I'm not, I'm not here. I'm down here somewhere. I'm not really deserving of that primary care. So I'm going to settle with someone talking to me nasty or dealing with me or physically harming me or saying things verbally every week because it's better than being alone. So that lie now begins to affect every area of our life. Or the way that she treats you. Men, we thrive off of respect. So the moment we're disrespected, we feel less than. Women, you want to you love your husband? Respect him. Men, you want to be respected? Be respectable. It's a little easier in the process. Hello? But men, we deal with this respect issue. So all of a sudden, when if a woman speaks to us in a way that's disrespectful and we accept it, we think to ourselves, well then it's better than being alone. Again, it affects us. 
puts us way back here or way down there, however you want to put it. But it doesn't put us right smack dab in the middle of God's will. It doesn't put us there. We need rescue from that mentality. We need rescue from the idea that we can't be powerful in Christ. We need rescue from the idea that we don't need the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives on a week-to-week basis. We need rescue from this mentality that we are second class, other you know, everybody else deserves better except for me. And I had this conversation with someone recently where they said, you know, I have I have real desire to help people that are, are going through some things, but I have a hard time defending myself. I said, that's still wrong. You realize that, right? Because you're still a person. Well, I don't, you know, I, I see the need to defend them, but not as much myself. I don't care what people think of me. Okay, I get there's some health in that, right? But that's not entirely accurate. But that's not, it, to me, I heard that and it was normal because I hear it so many times. I love everybody else and I expect everybody else to be in a good position. But for me, I'm okay with being mistreated. No, you shouldn't be. You should trust that God is, put, he, he sent his son to die for you. That makes you pretty important in his eyes. He came and he sent his son to rescue you. That makes you important. That makes you rescue worthy. Romans 5, 6 through 8, our main verse, you'll hear it throughout the next three weeks. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know what Jesus was announcing in this this message? It's simply this. The idea, well, through his first message, not necessarily this one, because we realize this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. But Jesus announced in his very first message that he has come to bring life. When he was on this earth, you realize that who did he minister to the most? The broken, the bruised, the battered, the prostitute, the lepers. Those are the people he reached out to. He wasn't stuck in temples all the time. He did find himself there. Sometimes they didn't like him because his priorities were in order. It's very easy to, to look at Jesus and go, wow. You know, why would he die for me? I mean, I see why he died for them, because they're special. But there's a lie that is in, that is came about in Christianity that you don't deserve it. And you know what? We don't. But that doesn't change the fact that he loves you. None of us deserve the love of God the way we get it, right? Are we on the right page there? None of us deserve the love of God the way that we have been given it. But we do notice a few things. Now watch this. Often we're too busy or distracted to notice that we need rescue. So the more I read the Bible, the more I realize these two thoughts. And these are my two points for this morning. Are you ready? Number one, we need rescuing. Yeah? We need rescuing. When we turn from our sin and place our faith in Christ, we become Christ followers. The true Christians believe that we can be holy today. Listen, he didn't send his Holy Spirit so you can live 
second class. He sent this Holy Spirit so when he says something, we can hear it and do it. That's how he wants us to live. I'm really struck by a song I heard recently, and actually, um, it's a song I really, the whole album's great, but uh, Lauren Daigle's recent song, Rescue, with the same title. The singer's speaking from the God's perspective, and hear the words for just a small portion of that. Are you ready? Uh, we have it up on the screen here if you want to read along. It says, I hear the whisper underneath your breath. I hear you whisper, you have nothing left. I will send out an army to find you. In the midst, in the middle of the darkest night, it's true. I will rescue you. I will rescue you. Listen, I really love that picture of God speaking to a person the way that this, this song portrays. Who's at the edge of their lives saying, God is saying to them, you're not on your own. You're not forgotten. You're not abandoned. And in fact, I send an army to seek you and to find you and to rescue you. Isn't that great news? That God would send out an army to rescue you. I mean, I love that thought. But we still have this sinful nature, don't we? I know, I know we have a sinful nature because I have three kids. And they were never taught to sin. They were just naturally good at it. But I think all of us were, right? Some of us have been hurt and bruised by people. And we nurse our wounds and we become bitter. We say, I don't need rescue. But look at me. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And to some extent, we can identify with various people Jesus came to rescue, right? The poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoners, the mourners, the grievers, those that are despairing. And perhaps this morning you walked in here and you yourself need rescuing. Do you see your need for rescue? See, there's no need for you to go on feeling defeated the way you are. I want to tell you, we all need rescuing. If you have a pulse, you need a rescue. There's times in our lives that we forget how God, how available God is to each of us. And I just want to remind you here this morning, coming in this morning, that God is about rescuing you. And he's about giving you not just a rescue, a rescuing you, but also giving you a plan. And that's my second thought. He not only wants to rescue you, but he also has a plan for you. Not just to stay rescued, but to rescue someone else too. So beautifully done uh, was this conference I was at yesterday helping out. And I watched as people give their lives and asking God to rescue them. Despite your imperfections, despite everything you've ever done in your life, God has set aside a rescue mission to save you. What, how interesting is that? What's interesting is that when we read the book of Romans, as we're studying even as a church, we find that there are problems and you realize when you, when you realize you have a sin problem, you realize something that some of the things in life seem very, very small, right? Some of the arguments in your life, when, when someone, how many have ever uh, had a family member get into an accident 
And it looked very, very grim for a while, and then they turned it around. How many have ever been in a situation like that? Raise your hand, real high. You know, a family member or a friend that been into an accident, and you, it looked really bad, but then they turned it around, and, and something happened. You know, and it's in those moments that you realize what? What's more important, right? What's more important? What's the most important thing right now? And all of a sudden, your priorities shift a little bit. I'll never forget uh, a few years ago, we got a call and uh, Faith, who is our children's director here, she's uh, probably back there with the kids or whatnot, but um, we got a call that she got into uh, an accident. And I'll never forget um, the way we hopped into our car and we shot to the hospital and we, it was a pretty, pretty rough one. In fact, she damaged you know, parts of her, her neck and, and whatnot. And uh, it was a very, it was a head-on collision. She um, blacked out and, and while driving and hit something, and we didn't know all the details on it. But I remember getting that phone call, thinking to myself, oh my goodness, we got in the car, we shot to the hospital. And, uh, and I mean, they're like pulling glass out and things of that nature, and just scary situation. You ever been in a situation where priorities, the world just... Everything in the world is silent now. Not about who liked your status on Facebook anymore, right? Not about what this person said or that person said anymore. It's about what really matters. So I say to you today, and Jesus says to all of us, put aside all the things that really don't matter and look upon the cross. Look at the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Friends, when we started this church years ago, our desire was never to just build a body of people to just listen to me preach. Never was that the intention, and nor is it today. Our desire was always to mobilize believers to be used in the hand of God. That's my job. As your pastor, my job is to do my best to equip you for ministry. And so that's how come week in and week out I'm saying to you, you have a purpose, you have a plan let us help you find it, because that's my job, to help you hear from God and get on the right path. Hear from God and get on the right path. See, when God stepped in to rescue us, his rescue attempt was just in time. Somebody say amen. amen. His rescue was just in time. And the Bible tells us that God came to rescue us from our sins. This is important because it's an eternal message with eternal repercussions. Eternal repercussions. He died so you would be set free. If you walked in here this morning and you're not set free, I want you to know he decided to come and die for you. He wasn't forced. He gave his life up. No one takes my life. I lay it down myself. So when someone asks you, who killed Jesus? Nobody killed Jesus. He laid down his life. Because I guarantee you, if Jesus wanted to get off that cross, he could have happened. Amen. If Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, guess what? If he didn't want to go to the cross, he would, not been, he would have not been wrong. He didn't have to go. He was not required. He gave his life up for every single one of us. Now, I have something interesting I want to show you as a... Um, the media team helps me out here. Some time ago, possibly, you may have heard 
of a story in the news about a 45-year-old father in Manchester, New Hampshire, who had two daughters, seven and nine years old. They were on jet skis, and at some point, um, they went a little too far. They fell off the jet skis, and the jet skis began to float downstream, and they were buoys that were out that told you, don't go beyond this point because there's a waterfall on the other side. Well, the news caught a little bit of this, and they were uh, at this point in the news and this point in the footage you're about to see, the skis had already come off and the, and the family, the father and the two daughters, seven and nine years old, were holding on to the buoys for dear life as they hang, as they were uh, hanging on for dear life. This was the news story you're about to see. From a distance, they are difficult to see, but a 911 caller spotted the father and his daughters, seven and nine years old, clinging to a cable that strings buoys across the Merrimack River in Manchester. Moments earlier, they fell off their jet ski. It went over the Amoskeg Falls. Firefighters shouted out that a rescue boat is coming. They say all three struggled to hold on and keep their heads above water on the first rescue boat to reach them. <laughs> Lieutenant Paul Smith and firefighter Josh Gway. I saw them both, uh, all three hanging on to that cable that was down there. I saw the two little girls on the either side of the dad, knew that's what we had to grab first. I just remember the one little girl furthest from me saying she couldn't hold on much longer and dad saying, you know, get the girls, get the girls. They plucked the first girl out of the water and then the second. The father was then hoisted onto the boat. In a moment of panic, he stood to look for his girls. You can see firefighter Josh Gway say, I got them both right here. Then relief, knowing they were all safe. From a distance, they are difficult to see, but a 911 caller... What really struck me as I watched that video was the father's relief. The way that they pulled the girls out, he didn't see that because he was worried about them. And when they pulled him in, he was not in seconds before he's jumping almost out of the boat to see where his daughters were. That urgency of rescuing and making sure that the ones he loved are okay. And when he saw that, you could see him put his hands on his head like this. That relief. I can identify with that father because I would feel all kinds of feelings at that moment. All that matters is that they're safe. I imagine father wants us to realize how urgent the rescue of his children are I imagine that when we put ourselves in predicaments like God is like I got a plan for you and the urgency that he loves us is so much more than you can imagine That's, that story ended well it ended well it's a story that they'll share for a long time. The day they were rescued. The day they were rescued, friends. I cannot forget the day I was rescued. The day that Jesus came into my life and 
set me free. Oh, I had heard about religion. Oh, I had been to church. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the day I realized the Father pulled me out of the water. The day that Jesus reached out and pulled me out. It's the day I was rescued. I want you to know he's never lost that desire to rescue you. If you're here this morning, you may need rescued from your soul where you have to accept Jesus. But maybe you're here this morning and you need rescued from a mindset. The mindset that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not talented enough. Maybe you need to, need to be delivered from that God doesn't care about you enough to give you a plan. Trust me, he's already laid out a plan for you and it's amazing. My desire this morning is simply this. If I'm being completely honest with you, if there was ever a time we needed a hero in America, we need a hero in our lives, it's now to keep us straight on what's important. Friend, the Lord loves you. And if you've been in the Lord for a long time, I'm speaking to you too. I'm telling you that no matter how much time you spent, whether it's around the altar or in prayer, every single day God wants to rescue you from you. Because there are seeds that the enemy plants in your mind. And every day we got to make sure we pull out those weeds, right? How many know that you can't weed your garden once and then that's it? Some of y'all like, don't even bring that up right now. Now you can't weed once and then it's all over. You can throw all the weed killer you want, but some way, shape, or form, something's going to creep up, right? Sometime. You got to upkeep. And I want to tell you today, there are seeds and weeds in your life you need to pull out. This morning, I invite you to pray with me right where you're at. Can we do that together? I want to pray a prayer that will allow you right at your seat to say, God, rescue me. Father God, I thank you for every soul in this room and all that you have for us. Lord, sometimes we don't see what you have called us to because we're so preoccupied in viewing ourselves the way we see ourselves. Less than. But God, you didn't rescue us for nothing. You rescued us to be something great in the kingdom of God. Lord, I ask you in this place that every single person at the sound of my voice would know that, Lord, not only do you love them, but you've called them to rescue them. Whether it's their soul or rescue them from a mindset, God, I'm asking you, do it today. In Jesus' name we pray. May their mindset be alert and focused and set on you. Lord, as we look toward Holy Week, as we look toward Easter, Lord, we realize that the death burial and resurrection of Jesus gives us hope hope in you in Jesus name we pray look at me for a moment church we have to come to a place
where we understand that God has laid out a mission just to get you. Just to set you free. But then, every day, God wants to draw you closer to him. He doesn't just want to pull you out of the water and say, hey, there, now you're safe. You have to check your vitals. Check everything about you. And God wants to, God wants to be a part of that person side. He doesn't just want to rescue you. He wants to know you now. And anyone that rescued me, they deserve my time. Right? Do you think the man that was rescued, if the guy that pulled him out of the water would say, hey, can I have a few moments? No, I don't have time for that. You think he's ever going to turn that guy down? Never. You got my ear anytime you want it, my man. Do you rescue my daughters? I'm having you for dinner. I want to hear everything about you. I want to know you. You rescued my, me and my children. I want to know you better. I want to know who you are. God rescued you. And some of us are like, yeah, we're good, God. Thank you for pulling us out, by the way. That was a really good plan. Appreciate it. We're good? We're good? We're good? All right, we're good. I'll holla at you later, God. We'll mean you. We'll get, we'll get lunch. We'll get coffee at some point. But let's be honest, that sounds silly and ridiculous. Like nobody would do that, right? To someone that saved your life. But that's what we do when we take our, when I, when we take our faith casual. You rescued us, God. Thanks for that. Now I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. Maybe I'll go jet skiing tomorrow. How many know that that father probably rethought jet skis anymore? Huh? I mean, jet skis are bad. I'm just saying. He probably rethought how he's going to do the whole thing, right? The point is this. When someone rescues you, that personal relationship matters. I invite you to do that too.